you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. Here's your host, Marcus Grant. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. It's me, your man, MG, Marcus Grant, still masking and socially distancing when and where necessary. And we are in the beginning of week 11. We've got a whole slew of games to get to. Michael F. Florio will join us, as he always does, on a Friday to talk about that. We will look at our best value fantasy daily picks of the week. We'll also ask our resident nerd, Matt Okada, about undrafted rookie free agents. We're giving James Robinsons of the world uh, a little bit of love this week. we got plenty to talk about, including... A Thursday night football game, which maybe wasn't what we thought it would be, but uh, it had some interesting things to talk about that as well. But before we do any of that, we'll talk to our faithful producer, Senior Edward L. Murphy, Esquire. And uh, Murph, we, we, I know we talk a lot about food before the show starts, uh, and I know you yeah. and, and, and Florio were kind of talking some stuff. I, I just want to know, especially now that it looks like curfews are coming, that we're probably going to have to order more food, you know, order out or what have you. Any, any new spots that you found in the L.A. metro area are worth talking about? 
Well, I, I don't know about new, but definitely one that uh, actually we just mentioned to you guys before is this place, Bonwe in Hollywood. And it's uh has like a Georgian dish called Kachapuri, which is something I would never, ever guess that I'd be eating. But it's like a pizza almost is the best way to describe it with like extra meat and like some kind of cheese sauce in the middle. It's just good bread. And I um, it was like life changing. And now like people don't talk enough about Georgian food. And I would put that dish against anything I've ever had. I mean, I, I'm a huge barbecue guy, but this is just as good. I'm down to try it. Like, I always feel like it's great to sort of try, not just try new stuff, but new stuff in, in cultures or regions that you would never think, because I certainly would never have thought totally. to try Georgian food. Uh, I will say that, you know, one of my favorite restaurants in L.A., and I know this is pretty much L.A.-centric talk, but uh, there's there's a Himalayan place in Culver City, uh, not too far from uh, the NFL Network studios there that has become a favorite place of mine. Uh, if you like Indian food, it's a very similar kind of style or feel to it. And uh, it's great. It's worth checking out. Uh, and I guess that applies to everybody, wherever you live. Try something new. Try something you never had before. Exactly. Pretty good. Exactly. And, yeah. Get out of your bubble. Go try new stuff. There's stuff that's going to change your life. It's, it's that good. And we are very lucky to be in L.A. with like some awesome places from every region of the world. No doubt. Uh, and if you try something and you don't like it, you can always just fall back on peanut butter and jelly for the rest of the night and try again. <laughs> PB&J and grilled cheese, yeah. Yeah, you know, there's no shame in swinging and missing, but uh, you never know. You might run into something that, that you really like. Uh, all right, uh, let's turn our attention to our friend Michael F. Florio, who joins us every Friday on this show. And Florio, I know that you are on the lookout always for for good spots to eat, new spots to eat, especially you, you know, being relatively new to Southern California. Have, have you found a place that you consider like a good go-to spot for you? Yeah, so when you and Eddie were talking, thanks to both of you two, I, I you guys have sent me places. I was writing all of those places down, like the Himalayan. My fiance loves Indian food, so I'll definitely take her there. Um, my go-to, it's very unhealthy. Um, I love Fat Sal's. Uh, it is a sandwich shop. There's one in, in West Hollywood. There's a couple of them. It's owned by the guy who plays Turtle in Entourage, but they just make the most unhealthy sandwiches with, like, French fries and mozzarella sticks on it and stuff. And it really reminds me of, like, a late-night sandwich spot that I used to go to in New York. So... I, I get that way too much, I would say. <laughs> you know, it's funny you mentioned you know, Fat Sal's, that you mentioned Turtle, Jerry Ferrara. I don't know if you, you saw this morning on Twitter, um, we have just recently passed the anniversary of the malice at the palace, you know, when the, the Pistons and, and Pacers got in that brawl, and including fans. And the running joke has always been that there's some guy who looks like Turtle who got punched out by Ron Artest and, you know, so the, the tweets came around about Turtle getting knocked out by Ron Artest. And Jerry Ferrara actually had to respond to that on Twitter. I saw it this morning uh, where he said, I just want to reiterate, I was not the guy who was punched out by Ron Artest. He's like, it happens every year. He's, like, he's good natured about it. He had fun. But, uh, yeah, so that's, you know, people have mistakenly thought Turtle got knocked out <laughs> by an NBA player. The guy dresses just like Turtle does on Entourage, too. He has like a... I know exactly who you're talking about. He has like the baggy jersey on and the backwards hat and he looks just like him. So yeah, that that is funny. As someone who has like a, a name with someone else who's kind of famous, I, I know what he goes through. <laughs> so, uh, you know, RIP to that guy. I, I don't think he's dead, but, uh, you know, good luck to that guy who actually <laughs> did get knocked out by Ron Artest. Uh, and just remember that it is not actually Turtle from Entourage. Uh, okay. 
Normally, we start with the TNF recap, but we had some big fantasy headlines that jumped up on Friday morning that I think are worth starting the show with. The biggest of them, the one that has sent ripples through fantasy Twitter this morning, the Saints have announced that Taysom Hill is going to start at quarterback this week against the Atlanta Falcons. We were thinking all week long that this was going to be Jameis Winston starting. Certainly, Taysom was going to play. He was going to have an expanded role. But we thought it was going to be Jameis under center. So now that it looks like Taysom Hill's getting the start, how much does this change your outlook for the Saints pass catchers in this game? It changes it a whole lot, in my opinion. Like, Jameis Winston, you could say what you want about him. Yeah, he had the 30 interceptions last year. That's not great. But we at least know that he can get the job done as a quarterback at the NFL level. He's had He led the NFL last year in passing yards by well over 200 yards. So he can throw the ball. We know that. And he has a different style that I was excited to see what this Saints offense will look like because Drew Brees this year is averaging 5.4 air yards per throw, which is – the bottom of the league. Jameis Winston last year was at 10.4, which only Matt Stafford was higher than. So I was really excited to see what Sean Payton may do with this offense, given he has a quarterback that you can now trust to throw the ball down the field. I thought it would be, you know, the high volume pass attempts in a what could be a high scoring game against Atlanta. Now I'm expecting the exact opposite. I'm expecting a whole lot of running. I expect Taysom Hill to have a lot of design runs. I expect Alvin Kamara and him to run the option at times. And I just think that throws are going to be short, safe throws, not really asking him to throw down the field or into tight windows. This guy has 18 career attempts in the NFL. He wasn't a good passer at college. And Marcus, I wish I could take credit for this. But uh, at Roger tweeted this out, and it was sent to me right before the show by um, researcher Ben uh, McWilliams. Great stat. Taysom Hill is older than Brock Osweiler, who retired after an eight-year NFL career. But he has few, uh, 55 fewer pass attempts than Jake Luton, who made his NFL first NFL start two weeks ago. Like, how can we trust this guy to throw the ball? I We can't. That's the thing. I, you know, I guess if there's somebody who maybe keeps a little bit of value, maybe it's Michael Thomas, just because you talk about those short throws and, and you know, trying to avoid tight windows. That sort of, I feel like, tailors itself toward Michael Thomas. But this is going to be a situation where – they are going to run the football a lot. I mean, you talk about that, right? They're going to run the option. They're going to run a lot of these RPOs. And, and we have seen, if there's anything, you know, Taysom Hill seems like a guy who would have excelled like in the 30s, right? Where, you know, the forward pass wasn't certainly as prevalent as it is today, where they still ran the football, where the quarterback was still very much involved in the running game. It just seems like he would have been that guy to, to be uh, an excellent quarterback there. Here, it remains to be seen. And so I think there's going to be a lot of scheming, a lot of uh, a lot of different looks for the Saints, but certainly if you were thinking about starting, you know, certainly with Michael Thomas, I think if Emmanuel Sanders was on your list, maybe you're rethinking that a little bit right now. Um, so then that begs the question: Would you start Taysom Hill? I mean, what 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 has to happen for you to really think about putting him in your lineup this week? <laughs> so. I, I've been tinkering with the idea of where I want to rank him. As of right now, I have him in my top 15 because if he is going to be the starter and play the whole game, I think he's going to get a lot of opportunity to run the ball. I don't expect a whole lot of passing out of him, but can he give us, you know, 150 passing yards, maybe a passing touchdown? 
which he hasn't really done in his NFL career. And then, you know, close to something like 80, 90, 100 rushing yards. I think that is very much so in the range of possibility. And because of that, I have him inside my top 15. But then someone tweeted me and they were like, you have him right ahead of Brady. Can I really trust him over Tom Brady? And I was going back and forth like, there is the chance that he struggles and we do see more Winston than we expect. You don't really know with Sean Payton here. So I'm thinking now I'm going to lower him a little bit more because of the risk of starting Taysom Hill. But I do think his upside is someone that you can trust in fantasy because of his rushing floor. That's the thing. The the rushing floor sort of gives him at least a little bit of stability here, but it is going to be hard to figure out how to rank him. And uh, look, I, I know the game isn't, game isn't until Sunday, so there's still a couple more days for us to sort of turn this over in our heads and, and figure it out. Um, look, I, I know that on some platforms, and I, I was asked about this yesterday on a different show, some platforms allow you to play him at tight end, which if you grabbed him with that purpose, then you are probably actually set up really well because now essentially you essentially have a two-quarterback lineup. Uh, by, by playing Taysom Hill at tight end, uh, there's a whole other rant I could go on about whether or not this is good or ethical or right or what have you, but we'll save that for another time. Um, this is why he should not be a tight end? Right. Like, that's my takeaway? <laughs> no, I think that's, that's, that's probably the short answer to this. Yes, he shouldn't be a tight end because he is not a tight end. He's just a guy they use in different spots. Um, but... Look, I, I always said that this is the week. If you have tight end eligibility, this was probably the week you could try it. Now, all of a sudden, you have backed yourself into having a two-quarterback lineup. So, bully for you. Um, you know, look, sometimes you take advantage of loopholes. There's really nothing else to say about that. Uh, <laughs> on, the, on the flip side, a lot of people made a lot of waiver wire moves, spent some of their fab budget, dropped players, did a lot of reorganizing to get Jameis Winston on their roster. And now, you know, it's sad trombone music for them this morning. You are one of those people. So I'm just going to ask you, I mean, what, what are you doing? How are you, how are you coping with this? So I, first of all, I was very angry this morning when I saw it because (laughs) in my biggest, like my favorite league, uh, it's a super flex league, and my quarterbacks this year were Josh Allen and Gardner Minshew, and everyone rosters multiple quarterbacks, so getting one off the waiver wire has been tough. So I've just been riding with one quarterback in that league, and then Winston came up, and with Allen on by, I spent literally all 10 of the fab dollars I had left to get him, and I felt really good about it, and then I woke up this morning and saw that he was not starting. Um I think there's obviously no way you could trust him, even though I wouldn't be surprised if Taysom Hill gets off to a slow start, if we end up seeing a good amount of Winston this week, you can't rely on that, I don't think. So I think you just got to get him out of your starting lineup. In a one-quarterback league, I think you can drop him. But in a two-quarterback league or a super flex league, I'm going to be a little bit patient because we do expect Breeze to miss multiple weeks. And again, I am not sold on Taysom Hill as a passer. I think this can go very wrong for Sean Payton and the Saints. And if it does, then I think we can get Jameis Winston as soon as next week. I do think that point you made about, you know, Breeze being out a couple of weeks is an important one that that folks should pay attention to. So if if whatever happens this week, don't necessarily bail on Jameis right away just because we know Breeze is going to still miss some time. So there's still some value there. The other part of this, and you sort of touched on it, is I feel like the worst possible scenario, and I feel like it's completely within the realm of possibilities of Sean Payton, is that Taysom Hill does start. He comes in, he plays the first series or two, 
And then we see Jameis for most of the game. And I know that there will be a lot of fantasy managers who will be heated if that's the case. If Taysom Hill really does start, but the plan is still for Jameis to come in and throw the ball 30 times and put up, you know, 280, 300 yards, there will be a lot of people who are heated. And it wouldn't surprise me one little bit if that is what Sean Payton decided to do. Because... Look, as I, as I said this morning on Twitter, most coaches don't really care about fantasy. They are not paying attention to what we're talking about. Uh, if anything, we're more of an annoyance to them. Uh, I do think Sean Payton actively tries to troll fantasy managers. And this, this would be the ultimate troll uh, on fantasy managers to do this with Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. Um, other big news uh, for fantasy is DeAndre Swift suddenly popped up uh, on Thursday in the concussion protocol, uh, something that uh, must have happened during practice during the week because there was certainly no indication of it after last week's games and is in very real danger of missing this week's game against Carolina, which is a fantastic matchup for him, uh, especially having just really taken over uh, a huge role in that backfield. So if Swift can't go, do we do we pivot to Adrian Peterson? And how much do you trust that this week? Yeah, I, I am someone who has a good amount of DeAndre Swift this year. And I'm very sad because I had him ranked as a top 10 running back in what I thought was a smash matchup. If he sits, I think AP is then a RB2 because of the matchup and because of the volume that I expect to go his way. But I also think Kerryon Johnson will get involved. The Even as much as DeAndre Swift has been playing really well, they don't just use one running back here. They they continue to mix in a second, sometimes even a third back. So I think AP becomes an RB2, and I think uh, carry-on becomes more of a deeper flex option. But I'll say this. Like I was saying on Fantasy Bites yesterday, uh, like I'm trying to trade for DeAndre Swift before the trade deadline, which is today. Uh, I think that the fact that DeAndre Swift has his concussion right now maybe only lowers his asking price. I would still be trying to trade for him. He has a great schedule coming up and in the fantasy playoffs. And if someone is fighting for their playoff life and has DeAndre Swift, they need to win this week. So I think you could actually maybe even get him for a little bit cheaper then. I have been a huge proponent of trying to add DeAndre Swift in, in any leagues because of what you mentioned. The playoff schedule is great and he is taking over that big role at the right time. So let's hope that everything's okay. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with him this week, but hopefully long-term, uh, this isn't a lingering issue and he's able to get back on the field. Uh, and for fantasy, I think it would be the, the right time to get him back in your lineup when and where possible. And uh, at least in this situation, it does look like Peterson seems to be an easy, a fairly easy swap uh, just because of the, the way the roles work. But yeah, you're right. Kerryon Johnson's going to be in there as well. But but I think Peterson probably takes the lead uh, as the runner in that backfield. Okay. Now let's turn to Thursday night football, a game between the Seahawks and the Cardinals at the newly renamed Lumen Field, the artist formerly known as Century Link. Uh, all I know is that when I think of Lumen, I think of Julia Stiles' character from the fifth season of Dexter, which is about when the show went downhill. I hope that doesn't have any correlation yeah. to the Seahawks season. It's just a random thing that I mentioned. Uh, but Seattle does come out of there with a 28 21 win in a game that wasn't maybe as high scoring or didn't have as many fireworks as we had anticipated. Uh, but a few of the top scorers, Tyler Lockett, ended up with 21 points in that one. Kyler Murray gave you just over 20, although it was his lowest scoring game of the season, just 20.26. Uh, so I guess you could say what's wrong with Kyler Murray in some weird way. I don't know. Uh, and then Russell Wilson bouncing back from his nine points last week to give you just over 20 as well. Uh, didn't get to 200 passing yards, but did have a pair of touchdown passes. Uh, the one thing, though, 
DK Metcalf uh, did have a touchdown, but really didn't do much in the way of yards. Probably should have had a second touchdown, but it bounced right off of his face mask uh, in the back of the end zone. But this is two weeks in a row, Florio, that, that Metcalf has not put up big numbers for you. Is there something to worry about, or is this just that he happened to run up on two of the elite corners in the league in back-to-back weeks? I'm not worried about DK. I think last night, like, yeah, he didn't have a huge fantasy day, but he easily could have. Like, there was so many fantasy points that he left on the field. He had the one drop in the end zone where he had a lot of fun with it. The the ball, he's open in the end zone. Russell hits him. The ball hits him in the face, and he drops it. And he joked and after the game and then put it even on Twitter, like, Russell Wilson owes me an apology for that fastball. And he even said (laughs) after the game, he was like, Russ told me that's probably the hardest ball he's ever thrown in the NFL. So, like, he was having fun with it. There was that one. He had a bad drop where he was open across the middle of the field and had some room to run after. And then he had a 41-yard catch on Patrick Peterson that was called back due to holding by the center. So, if any one of those are caught, we're really not panicking about DK Metcalf. Uh, And he's just been so consistent outside of, you know, he's had two games with uh, really, I, I, I think, two games where you're like, all right, I want more. Because even last night, like, he scored a touchdown. He gave you adequate fantasy points. So I'm not worried about DK. I, I think that's probably fair. Uh, you know, the the long catch was one that that, that one hurts a lot. The, the drop, the, the touchdown off the face mask in the back of the end zone. And it's funny that Russ says that's the hardest ball he's ever thrown. Because watching it live, I'm like, that was a missile. I mean, that was an <laughs> absolute cannon shot that he fired back there. Uh, which you know sort of tells you how hard he threw it that it caught DK by surprise and, and smashed him in the face. But I think you're right. And, and last night we actually we've been waiting for both Seahawks receivers to put up decent games at the same time. And I think in some respects you, you did. You got what 13 points I think out of DK Metcalf. You got the 21 points out of Tyler Lockett. So for the first time this year, I feel like both those guys sort of worked fairly well in tandem with one another. And look. Even with two less than great weeks, you're not freaking out. You're not sitting DK Metcalf. You're not panic trading him away. Although if you want to panic trade him away to me, uh, I will gladly accept uh, before the day is out. Send him over. If you're really worried about him, I will take DK Metcalf off your hands. Um, We kind of saw split work between Chase Edmonds and Kenyon Drake last night. And I know a lot of people who started Chase Edmonds were sort of concerned about how things were going until a blown coverage left him wide open in the back of the end zone and he caught his touchdown. But have we learned anything more? Do we have any more clarity into the Cardinals' backfield after what we saw yesterday? Uh, No is like the short <laughs> answer. <laughs> uh, they both played 51 and 52% of the snaps. Uh, they both split passing down work. I guess the one thing we could take away is that Kenyon Drake is still clearly uh, the early down back, and he is going to get a lot of the groundwork there. And more importantly, he is going to get the goal line opportunities when Kyler Murray doesn't keep them and, and run it in for himself because he has 10 rushing touchdowns right now. That's like Dalvin Cook level. Um, But I think it is... Kenyon Drake as more of a RB2 now, and maybe Edmonds is more of a flex option. And I'm someone, I started Edmonds over Drake yesterday, so I was worried until he caught this touchdown right here, which was, he was so open, he could have signaled for a fair catch if he really <laughs> wanted to. But uh, I, I don't think we learned a whole lot other than it's going to be Drake on the ground and Edmonds is going to get mixed in as well. This has turned into 
a it's a running back committee basically i mean and i think we're going to see both of these guys used equally going forward i mean i think here's the thing i think if we felt like this was going to be this way at the beginning of the year i don't think we'd feel so bad about Kenyon drake but the way they used Drake last year, where he was playing, you know, 80 to 85% of the snaps on a weekly basis, he was dominating the touches. That's what led certainly me and I think a lot of other people to believe that a big year was coming for Kenyon Drake. If if what we saw last year was kind of a 50-50 split where, you know, you sort of had, look, let's just say you know, for comparison's sake, maybe a, a Joe Mixon, Jill Bernard type situation there, right? I think that's what we would have expected and what we've seen out of Drake wouldn't be so heartbreaking, but you know, here we are 11 weeks in, I think we've settled into something. And I think this is kind of what we can expect from the Cardinals going forward. If so, you just readjust your expectations. I know you probably spent a high draft pick on Kenyon Drake and you didn't do that to get an RB two, but this is where we are now. So uh, with just a handful of weeks left in the regular season. I think we adjust uh, and we make the most of it going forward. All right, well, going forward from here, today's show is sponsored by DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week. So download the DraftKings app now. Use code TEAM during sign-up and start feeling the sweat like never before. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Salute to Service is the NFL's year-round effort to honor, empower, and connect with our nation's service members, veterans, and their families through long-standing partnerships that support our military community. The NFL, its clubs, and players thank all of our armed forces serving in the United States and around the world. Join the NFL in Salute to Service by visiting nfl.com salute. Time to look at some of our big questions as we head fully into week 11. And uh, the first one, uh, we talked about the Lions and their running back situation with DeAndre Swift in the concussion protocol. But there are more injuries of note uh, around the Lions offense. Uh, one of them is to the quarterback, Matt Stafford, who is dealing with some thumb issues. The other to Kenny Galladay, who has a hip issue. Now, he practiced earlier in the week, did not practice on Friday. So, I mean, let's just kind of spread this out. You've got Stafford dealing with a thumb injury, probably playing at less than 100%. We may or may not have Kenny Galladay in the lineup. How are we feeling about those, those Lions pass catchers in what on paper is a pretty tough matchup against Carolina? Yeah, it, it's a pretty tough matchup, and, and the quarterback isn't healthy. Your top wide receiver, we're not sure if he's going to be able to go. I, I think then if Kenny Galladay is active, I think you, you still start him – I think he becomes more, though, of a, like, boomer bust type play because he's banged up and his quarterback is banged up. And then after that, Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola, those guys, I I, I would use them maybe as water, boomer bust, wide receiver three or flex option, but I'd probably be trying to get away. I think this is a game where the Lions are going to try to run the ball a whole lot. And they're missing pieces on uh, – they're missing maybe Swift and Galladay and, and a banked-up Stafford. This could be a game where they don't put up a lot of points or yards at all. This game looked semi-interesting, I thought, earlier in the week. I thought you had some some good matchups fantasy-wise to exploit on both sides, but it just feels like the guys that could do that the best may not be there. I, I could probably make a case for starting TJ Hawkinson because you will probably want to set up some easy throws for your quarterback, uh, you know, knowing that, that you know, it, it may be tough for him to get the ball downfield. But 
you know, Marvin Jones feels like a, it feels like sort of chasing the points after, you know, the last couple of weeks where he's played well. So that one sort of worries me a little bit, but I, you know, I do think, like you said, if Galladay plays, I would be hard-pressed to sit him because, again, it's one of those where you look at your roster and do you have a lot of better options there? And chances are you you probably don't. So Galladay is the one guy that I feel like I could probably trust regardless of the situation. Beyond that, uh, it's, it's sort of sketchy, I think, for me. Uh, on the other side of that game, Teddy Bridgewater looks like he is unlikely to start. Uh, he's dealing with a knee injury, and I know he's sort of tried to work it out, but it doesn't look like he's going to be able to go against the Lions. So now how are you feeling if it, you know, if it ends up being, say, P.J. Walker or Will Greer? How do you feel about Robbie Anderson and the rest of those pass catchers in Carolina? Not nearly as good. Like, Teddy, I, I had hope early in the week when he got in that limited practice and it sounded like he was going to play, but now it really sounds like he is not. And even with Teddy healthy, these wide receivers here, like early on in the year, Robbie Anderson was looking like a must start each week, but he has really come back down to earth. DJ Moore, I know he had a good game last week, and every time he has a good game, Fantasy Twitter loves to highlight how talented he is and how good he is. But for fantasy purposes, he's a boomer bust wide receiver three, in my opinion. He is single-digit fantasy points in half his games this year. So I think, again, and with this being a game that the Lions are so banged up on offense and so weak against the run, I think they can just rely heavily on Mike Davis this week. So uh, to me, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore are both just, you're hoping that they hit on a long pass or something, but they're very, you know, high floor, but a uh, low floor, but high ceiling plays. I think, um, Mike Davis is the one player here that I'm definitely starting. And outside of that, it depends on options. Which is really encouraging because I know that for folks who have been rolling with Mike Davis uh, the last few weeks, I mean, he had that really hot start and then he sort of came back to earth after that, which probably is a reminder of why the Panthers, you know, keep running. Look, Mike Davis is great, but he's probably better in short, in short bursts as opposed to kind of a long-term option. But this does seem like it sets up for him to get the ball quite a bit. I also wonder if this maybe could end up being good for Curtis Samuel, who we've seen as that Swiss Army knife. We've seen him get the ball as a runner. You know, we know they can throw him the football if they need to. So, so maybe this sort of injects a little bit of juice into Curtis Samuel as well. But you know, DJ Moore has been so up and down that it's certainly hard to trust with a backup quarterback. Robbie Anderson, uh, after a quick start, has been just okay. Uh, nothing really great, so he's another one that I would worry about. But uh, I think I think you're onto something with the the whole Mike Davis thing there. Other wide receiver talk here. It has not been the year we would have expected for Marquise Hollywood Brown. Um, you know he's he's been okay. Certainly not worth what we uh, what you probably got what you spent on him in draft capital. But he's got a good matchup this week. He has a really good schedule, Mike. And, and that's, that's the frustrating part to me. The schedule's really good, but I just worry about the production. How many more chances do we give him before we just pull the plug? I, for the first time all year, Marcus, I had him as a player you can drop if you're in need of, you know, picking someone up off the waiver wire to get in your lineup or anything this week. Because, like you said, like like the opportunity has been there. You see right there, 23% target share. He's always towards the top of the league in targets of 20-plus air yards. But my issue is that's really all they've been using him as is a deep threat. And Lamar hasn't been able to connect with him. You're seeing here all the times that he's getting overthrown on these deep passes. What I was expecting 
coming into the year was a lot more. Yes, I expected a lot of deep shots, but I expected them to, you know, do some like wide receiver, like end arounds or or get him the ball, get creative with him and get him the ball, short, safe passes where he can then use his speed to pick up yards after the catch. And they're simply not using him in that role. I get it. The schedule is great. And if you are a team where you have your starting wide receivers filled out and like I have a team where I'm I've already clinched the playoffs. I'm good at starting wide receiver. I'm keeping him on the bench just in case he comes to life and can take advantage of this really favorable schedule. But like, if you're someone who needs that spot because there's tons of injuries and tons of players on by now, I do not think you have to keep holding him. Yeah, it's it's just been hard, you know. And and what you talked about with him being a deep threat. I mean, I I was talking to our pal and wide receiver whisperer Matt Harmon. He basically said the same thing that they're just using him as a deep threat. That they haven't diversified what they're using him with. Not you know, no slants, no no screens, nothing to just get the ball in his hands and let him make plays. And and so because Lamar is struggling on the deep ball, it just hasn't worked out. He hasn't had more than 60 yards receiving in a game since you know, week five. Uh, you know, it, and you look at that schedule, it just it's so tantalizing, right? Because they have the Titans this week. Then there's the Steelers. The Cowboys are on the roster or on the schedule, rather. The Jaguars, the Giants uh, in the playoffs. So it just... It feels like it should be great, but nothing I have seen about the Ravens' passing game suggests that this is going to be anything other than the continual disappointment uh, that we have seen all year. So um, I, I get if you're scrambling, you want to drop him. I, I have no beef with that. I also understand if, if you know, like Florio, you're holding on to him, hoping that something comes to life. But I just at this point, I'm skeptical that we're going to see anything. Uh, of any real consistent value production-wise from Marquise Brown, and that is frustrating. Speaking of frustrating, let's talk about the Colts' backfield. Um, (laughs) We know Naheem Hines, I think, has a role here. In fact, he's the guy that it seems like fantasy Twitter as a whole is touting in this week's game against Green Bay. But Jonathan Taylor, Jordan Wilkins, they're still going to get some snaps. They're still going to get some opportunities in this one. So, uh, leaving Hines out of the equation, if you had to pick between Taylor and Wilkins, which one are you going with this week? Yeah, maybe it's just because I am a sucker for Jonathan Taylor. I liked him coming into the year. I liked him coming off the bye. And each time I, I go back for more, I just get let down. And I don't know why I keep going back for more, but here I am saying Jonathan Taylor <laughs> once again. Uh, last week, it was the Naheem Hines show, but... We did see Taylor play 25% of the snaps to Wilkins 20. It was seven carries for Taylor, eight for Wilkins, two targets Taylor, one for Wilkins. So they basically split the same amount of work. But I I do just think that if Jonathan Taylor, they, they seem to give him shots early on in the games and then he somehow messes it up and gets taken off the field. If he can take advantage of a good matchup, I think that Frank Reich and the Colts will showcase their rookie a little bit I have no confidence in him don't don't take this as me saying like you should start him but I do think Marcus that like like you said fantasy Twitter is is hyping up Naheem Hines it is a really good matchup and last week fantasy Twitter kind of washed their hands with Jonathan Taylor doesn't this feel like that'll be the week now that Jonathan Taylor shows some life and sucks everyone back in it absolutely does (laughs) And that's why I'm afraid that look, I, I'm I'm riding with John with Jordan Wilkins in this one, but I am afraid that, that Taylor does come to life this week. And I'm with you. I don't have extreme confidence in either one of these guys. I just and maybe maybe this is recency bias talking because 
I was a big Jonathan Taylor fan coming out of Wisconsin. I thought, you know, I know that the, the debate was between he and DeAndre Swift for the best overall pro- prospect, and I was on the Taylor side of that. So far, it hasn't worked out after, you know, not quite one full season. I will say that, you know, recently it looks like Wilkins has been the more efficient, the, the better runner than Jonathan Taylor. But I will also admit to the fact that, uh, you know, it's not like he has been light years better. I mean, neither one of these guys has been great, which is why we saw Naheem Hines step in and, and get so many opportunities last week. So uh, it, it could it could turn either way. I say Wilkins this week. It could very easily be Taylor if he, you know, protects the football, if he hits a couple of holes and has a couple of nice runs. This is a week for one of these guys to sort of get healthy because, you know, the Packer run defense has been lacking and especially near the goal line. They've given up 11 rushing touchdowns, which is among the the highest in the league. So there's a chance for one or both of these guys to really excel this week. We'll see who it is. Uh, I mean, we could be talking about this next week and it was neither and it was still the Naheem Hines show. So. Uh, who who really knows? Uh, if you want more stuff like this, of course, you can check out myself, Michael F. Florio, Kimmy Checks, and Adam Rank on NFL Fantasy Game Day. That is Sundays, starting at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, and then you know all the other corresponding times uh, elsewhere on the map, wherever you live. You can find it at NFL.com on the NFL apps and at YouTube.com slash NFL Fantasy Football, and it's on YouTube. You can find Florio usually answering as many questions as he possibly can up until about 15 minutes or so before kickoff. It's time for Best Value, presented by DraftKings. Every week about this time, we try to get you the most bang for your fantasy buck by putting together some of the best values we can find for your daily fantasy lineup. Now, at the start of the show, we talked about the big news out of New Orleans. And Florio, I know you said you had to sort of make some changes in some of your season-long lineups because of that. And I would imagine you had to sort of make similar pivots in some of your daily lineups as well. Yeah, I had to make a whole bunch of pivots this morning when the Saints announced that Taysom Hill will be starting. And one of which was here for the DFS value. I was all set to talk about Winston and the great matchup. Uh, but instead, I'm going to go with Taysom Hill here. He costs less than $5,000, and anytime I think you could get a starting quarterback for this cheap, especially one that I know there's risk involved with Taysom Hill, but like you're seeing right there, he can run, and that's a lot. there's a lot of value to that in fantasy football, especially that they use him near the goal line as well sometimes. So I think at just such a cheap price, it allows you to get a lot of higher-end options at other positions that he's worth taking a, a shot on, especially in like a, a tournament contest. This is, I think, the time because obviously the the salary hasn't caught up to what potential Taysom Hill might have this week, fantasy wise. So uh, this is certainly a great spot to get him at. I'm going to go with Alex Smith, who made his return to starting last week and, and threw for nearly 400 yards. The only drawback was that he didn't have a touchdown. I think he has at least one touchdown in this game against the Bengals. Maybe the yardage won't be quite there, but he'll make up with it by getting the ball in the end zone at least once or twice. Uh, And at at 5,300, this does give you a lot of flexibility to go big at some other places on your roster. I know he's not he's not the guy who runs you know quite a bit as he did uh, early in his career, but who knows? Maybe he gets out of the pocket and scrambles a couple times too to get you uh, some nice rushing yards. Uh, running back, where are you looking for your value this week? I'm gonna stick with the with Alex Smith, but I'm gonna go with the running back here for for Smith. I'm gonna go with Antonio Gibson at 5,800. I know it's not a huge value, but I think that speaking about the running back position this week, there's 
slim pickings, and I, I really like the matchup for him. The Bengals give up a ton of uh, rushing yards to running backs. They're in the top five in that. They give up a lot of fantasy points as well. And one thing we've seen recently is that Alex Smith loves to dump it off to his running backs. So I think uh, Gibson could even get you a couple of catches, and he's clearly their goal line back. So I like his opportunity of scoring a touchdown this week as well. I like Gibson a lot. I also like uh, Damian Harris this week for New England. The way he has run the football this year really makes me think that Sonny Michelle just isn't going to have a role whenever he's healthy and back. And I know he can come back pretty much at any time now. But Harris has been very effective running the football. Four games with over 100 yards. And even the games where he hasn't hit 100 yards uh, has played very well there. The only drawback is that he hasn't scored a lot of touchdowns, but I think that can change this week uh, against the Houston Texans, who have one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. This, I think, in a lot of ways is a good week to get Patriots in your lineup, whether it is Harris, Jacoby Myers, Cam Newton, what have you, because the Texans just are really weak defensively. But I do like Damian Harris uh, as a value running back pick. Over to wide receiver. Uh, I saw the name when you when you filled this out. I saw this and was uh, very, very excited because I think this is a, a nice pick at, at wide receiver this week. Thank you. That makes me feel even better about it. <laughs> I'm going with uh, with Jalen Rager here uh, at 4,300. Not a whole lot to pay for him. I think you can get him as a wide receiver three and then pay up for a couple of nicer options. But last week, I, I liked him a lot and he didn't really come through, but the targets, career high is seven targets. That is trending up. He is clearly also their down-the-field threat. He is so fast and can create so much separation. The only issue is, can Carson Wentz hit him? And the Browns are a good matchup. They allow a lot of fantasy points to wide receivers that I think if you're going a little bit deeper, Jalen Rager is a high upside name that I, I like a lot this week. The Browns have really struggled with slot receivers as well, and, and Rager doesn't play exclusively there. They like to move him around, but if they can get some really good matchups uh, in the slot, I do think they'll take some shots down the field. All right, so I felt a lot better about this Emmanuel Sanders call before I woke up this morning, but I do still think there is a path there. I, I we, we talked about Taysom Hill and, and whether or not he's going to put the ball and throw the ball downfield. But I do think they may try to take a couple of shots, sort of medium deep, some of those intermediate throws with Sanders. And I still like the fact that the matchup on paper is very good. If he can get open and they can find ways to get the football in his hands, uh, maybe he finds his way into the end zone. Like I said, I felt a lot better about it when I thought it was Jameis throwing YOLO balls down the field. But I do think there's a <laughs> chance for Sanders to still get some targets uh, and make some plays in this offense. Uh, we are of one mind about tight end, and it's weird that we're talking about so many players from the Washington football team this week. <laughs> it really is. Uh, we, we both like Logan Thomas and Marcus. Remember early in the year where he had like a great matchup every single week and we'd be like, all right, he's a sleeper, and he just didn't do anything with it? He's made up for it as of late. In three of his last four games, he is double-digit fantasy points, and I know that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but he, that was enough for him to finish as a top 10 tight end in all three of those weeks. It, it's the state of tight end this year. If you can get 10 fantasy points, you are probably going to be a top 10 option. And given the matchup, the Bengals allow the second most fantasy points to tight ends and that he's been playing well. I think for 3,300 to get a potential top 10 tight end is a really good value. I, I joked earlier in the year that it felt like he was basically just getting his steps in out there on the field because it, it seemed like <laughs> the number of snaps he played was great. The number of routes he was running seemed great. But for whatever reason, they just 
weren't targeting him. And that has changed the last few weeks. So that makes me feel a little bit better about Logan Thomas. And look, we're at a point where if you can get, say, you know, four catches for 40 yards and a touchdown, uh, what is that, 14 points, basically, like, you can be a top five tight end in any given week. I mean, there's going to be Travis Kelsey at the top and then everybody else sort of behind him. So I, I think you can get that much out of Logan Thomas this week against the Bengals. And again, four for 40 and a touchdown, uh, that's probably a top five fight at tight end finish, uh, depending on how everything works out around him. Uh, defensively, uh, where are you going for your, your value defense this week? I know we like to joke that you could just stream against the New York teams each and every week, and you can, but another team, a sneaky team that I think you could stream against every week is the Eagles. They allow nearly four sacks per game. That's the most in the league. They're allowing the third most giveaways per game. And what I really like about them is for fantasy purposes, they've allowed the opposing defense to finish as a top 10 fantasy defense in seven of their nine games this year. So I know the Browns at 3,000 aren't super cheap, but I think you'll get nice production out of them. And they're also not a defense that you really need to pay a high price to get. A couple of weeks ago on Fantasy Live, I actually said the Browns might be a nice sneaky defense to help you get into and through the playoffs because they got Philly, they've got Jacksonville, and they do have the two New York teams in weeks 15 and 16. Uh, I'm going to go and just keep this whole theme going in Washington with the Washington football team defense. And we know that the Bengals want to throw the football a lot. That has been their MO this year, partially because they're playing from behind. But part of the reason I like Washington this week is because they are going to get pressure on the quarterback. And Joe Burrow has been hit uh, as much as anybody. He's been sacked 32 times, which I think is the third most in the league this year. So he has constantly faced pressure. He, he did not face pressure like this at all at LSU. And I don't care how good you are. If you continually have guys in your face, if you are continually getting hit, uh, it is only natural to start to want to get the ball out quicker to just kind of make some throws and maybe rush yourself into some bad throws here. So if Washington can stay in Burrow's face, if they can get him pressured, get him rattled a little bit, not only can they get sacks, but I think there's the opportunity for them to get some turnovers as well. And at 2,900, uh, it's definitely worth taking the shot on. There you go. That was Best Values, presented by DraftKings. Let's find the best of the pack, presented by Panini Trading Cards, shall we? We always pull three out of a pack and kind of kick it around a little bit. So we will start talking a lot of Saints today. But uh, Michael Thomas uh, with the New Orleans Saints. I mean, we didn't anticipate talking this much about the Saints when uh, we put this show together yesterday. But, you know, sometimes things happen. Uh, obviously, Thomas missed a good portion of this season because of injury. But... Even when he's been on the field, Florio, his production has not been great. And, and maybe this week is something of an anomaly as we figure out what happens with the quarterback position. But overall, how worried should we be about his lack of production this year? I know it's easy to say, like, don't be worried. He's Michael Thomas. This is, you know, still the Saints offense. He's going to be okay. And I think long term, that that is the answer. But right now... In this season, in 2020, I think you should be very worried. Like, if you drafted Michael Thomas, your season is probably over already. You you got a half a game out of him in week one and then didn't get him again until recently. And in the two games you've had him, he's given you less than 10 points and barely over 10 points. So you're not getting the wide receiver one numbers that you paid for him. And now you have to worry about Taysom Hill starting, not even Jameis Winston. So I think right now, if you have Michael Thomas in 2020, if your season is still alive, 
rejoice because I you had to do something to, to save it. But I, I'm worried because he is not being productive. I'm not worried about 2021 or anything long term. But for this year right now, I'm worried. I, I'm very worried. Ten catches for 95 yards for the season. I mean, that, 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 you know, that was, that was like a game. That was three quarters of a game for him last year at times. I mean, because of the way they were using him, but I do think that um, you know, maybe he has some other games that are better. Uh, you know, maybe he has a hundred yard game at some point, but the, the idea that you're going to see the Michael Thomas you expected when you spent a top five, maybe even a top three overall pick on him, uh, I think those expectations have sailed at this point. Um, you know, and and it is really a conundrum. Like you feel like you can't leave him on your bench because of what his potential is, but at the same time, uh, when you have him in your starting lineup, he has been killing you so far this season. All right, next, uh, another wide receiver, Chase Claypool. Of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and obviously he burst on the scene early in the year. He had a 40-point game, scored four touchdowns. But for the most part, his production has been fairly steady, and his floor has been fairly good. And by the count of fantasy points, he is the highest-scoring wideout in the Steelers' offense. Does this mean he is the wide receiver one in Pittsburgh, though? He is not, in my opinion. Um, I, I know he's been playing really well. I think that all three of them are actually viable in fantasy, especially with how much they've been passing as of late. But I, I like to joke that Deontay Johnson doesn't always finish games, but when he does, he finishes with double-digit targets. <laughs> and I think that he is the wide receiver one in Pittsburgh because it just shows, like, every time this guy stays healthy and can actually finish a game – he is going to be very productive. And again, he is likely going to be leading them in targets. So for me, I have him as their wide receiver one. But I think Claypool and Juju are battling it out for wide receiver two there. And I think all three of them are fantasy viable. Like they're all in my top 24 this week. I think that is the for me, I think maybe the bigger battle. I mean, I, I sort of asked the question about him being the number one receiver. I kind of figured it was going to be your answer was going to be Deontay Johnson. Um, but I do think there's a real battle for number two between Claypool and Juju, and especially because Juju has come to life uh, in the last month or so. It was a rough start to the season for him, but you look at what he's done over the last four weeks, looking at his, his totals here. I mean, last week was 22, the week before 21, 13, 17. So Juju is starting to look like the guy we thought he could be uh, when we were having our drafts and we were taking him in, say, the third or fourth round. Uh, the hope was that a healthy Ben Roethlisberger would bring him back to life. That's happened. But Chase Claypool's not going anywhere, guys. Uh, you know, he's still getting plenty of targets. I think frustratingly, if you have James Conner, Chase Claypool has been getting a lot of looks down near the goal line. They have given him uh, some runs on jet sweeps. They have thrown him the football. Uh, that's great if you got Claypool, not so much if you've got James Conner. And maybe the biggest takeaway from this is that the Steelers – are really good at evaluating wide receiver talent. Uh, and they're also good not only at evaluating it, but figuring out how to use it to uh, their best advantage because they, they just keep rolling guys through from you know, Mike Wallace to Antonio Brown to Juju to Deontay Johnson to Chase Claypool. So uh, the next time the Steelers draft a wide receiver, let's pay attention to it. <laughs> maybe, and maybe there's something to, there. Uh, all right, last one. To that one. point, Marcus – um, Juju is a free agent at the end of this year. If they let him walk, just for those in keeper or dynasty leagues, 
Claypool and Deontay's arrow could really be pointing up heading into 2021, unless they go out and they draft the next Chase Claypool, of course. Of course, right? Until they, until they draft somebody else, <laughs> and then Chase Claypool is battling for targets with whoever that other person is. Also, it will be interesting to see where Juju lands, because uh, I still think he has a lot left in the tank. And if he can go to a situation where maybe he's not fighting for targets as much, uh, very curious to see what, uh, what his upside could be. Uh, all right, last one, staying in the division. It is Sir Nicholas Chubb, he of the running out of bounds at the one-yard line and breaking a lot of fantasy football hearts, uh, but still, a guy who is going to have, uh, I think, a very good end of his season, which begs the question, what do you see as his ceiling for the rest of the year? I think his ceiling is top five running back, and I thought his ceiling was that coming into this year as well. We know how good of a runner he is. We know... The Browns want to rely on these two running backs. Like any game that the Browns don't have to throw the ball in, if they're playing with a lead or it's a close contested game, they're going to be riding Chubb and Hunt. So I think both of them are fantasy viable the rest of the way. Uh, the only concern I have with Nick Chubb is I don't think, well, I think his ceiling is top five. I don't think his floor is as high as other potential top five running backs because we've seen it at times where the Browns fall behind and are trailing. They will pull him off the field for Kareem Hunt to get him more going in the passing game. I, I agree with all of that, and I do think he is. He does have that top five upside. I you know, If I could ask for anything, it's that all the other coaches around the league look at what the Browns are doing and do that with their running back situations. You know, it's nice to be able to look at a, a backfield and say, you know what, there are two guys there, and both of them are great starts, and they're both viable, instead of us having these uh, pull-your-hair-out discussions about the Colts and Rams and Ravens and whomever else. Uh, but Nick Chubb still has plenty of opportunity. The Browns want to run the football primarily. The schedule uh, is not terrible. Uh, it's actually pretty good. I've also, you know, I talked about trading for DeAndre Swift. I've mentioned trading for Kareem Hunt as well because that Brown schedule, I think, is very favorable down the stretch. So that does bode well for Nick Chubb. And as long as the, the game script doesn't turn, uh, there's going to be chances for him to stay on the field and get plenty of touches. Okay, that was the best of the pack presented by Panini Trading Cards. Time to wrap up the Friday show as we always do with a round of Ask a Nerd. We go to our resident nerd and friend Matt Okada. And this week... We wanted to give the James Robinsons of the world a little bit of love. And we asked about some of the best fantasy seasons by undrafted rookie free agents. We'll see what Matt came up with. Thanks, Marcus. And welcome in yet again to Ask a Nerd. This week, going a little more historical. So strap yourselves in for at least a couple names you probably haven't heard. As we tackle the best rookie fantasy seasons by players that were never selected in the NFL draft. First, a quick shout out to honorable mention James Robinson of the 2020 Dragwars, who needs only 18 fantasy points this season to crack the top five. With nearly half the season left, Robinson is well on his way to one of the greatest undrafted rookie years of all time. Now back to the list, where we start with number five, Giants receiver Bobby Johnson. Johnson snagged 48 catches for 795 yards and 7 TDs as an undrafted rookie in 1984, and even went on to win Super Bowl XXI with the squad two years later. Next on our list is number 4, Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon. In 84 with the Oilers, his first of 17 NFL seasons, Moon threw for over 3,000 passing yards and 12 touchdowns to score 180.6 fantasy points and become the first undrafted QB to break 150 as a rookie. As a note, the only other QB to do so ever was Jeff Garcia. 
The rest of our list is all running backs, starting with number three, Clark Gaines of the Jets. In 1976, Gaines racked up 724 rushing yards, 400 receiving yards, and 5 TDs for a total of 183.4 fantasy points. Incredibly, Gaines' 400 yards through the air remain the most by an undrafted rookie running back to this day. At number two on our list is Colts 2001 signing at Dominic Rhodes, who stepped up in relief of superstar RB Edger and James when James tore his ACL early in the season. Rhodes racked up an undrafted rookie record 1,104 rushing yards and added nine scrimmage TDs plus a kick return score in routes of 214.8 fantasy points. He would then spend the majority of his career backing up James and later Joseph Atai for the Colts. And at number one, we have a recent addition to the Hall of Undrafted Stars, Philip Lindsay. The Broncos' back totaled 222.8 fantasy points in 2018 when he set the undrafted rookie record with 10 scrimmage touchdowns and added over 1,200 yards and 35 receptions. That's been Ask a Nerd, full of unheralded surprise stars. Hopefully your waiver wire additions can produce similar greatness in the playoff push. Until next time, may the fantasy points be with you. Thank you, Matt. Always good stuff. And look, for me, anytime there's a list with Warren Moon, it can appear on this show. Uh, I was a huge Warren Moon fan as a kid. So uh, always excited to see him getting in there. Some names I'd never heard of. I mean, Clark Gaines, uh, Bobby Johnson, certainly was not familiar with them. Uh, but yeah, Florio, James Robinson is about 18 points away from cracking this list. He has been, for me at least, the biggest pleasant surprise of the fantasy season with how well he has done. So let's let's talk about him, though, in terms of, of dynasty rookies and that sort of thing. If we were doing a rookie redraft in dynasty, how high would you take him? I think he has to go in the top five, right? Like, he's on pace not to just surpass Philip Lindsay as the highest undrafted rookie he's going to shatter that record if he stays healthy and and keeps up the production that he is doing right now I think the only other rookie running back that we can even put in the same class as him right now is DeAndre Swift like Jonathan Taylor has been a big bust Clyde Edwards Hilaire it just it hasn't happened for him uh, like we wanted I think realistically it would be between Robinson Swift Justin Jefferson and T Higgins and maybe you could throw Claypool in there I think those would be the top five rookies if we got to redraft coming into 2020, these rookie dynasty drafts. I, I mean, yeah, you said top five. I'm even thinking maybe top three, and maybe this is just us being a little bit too hyped on him, but I, I sort of look at what they're building in Jacksonville as well. I, I know they're still trying to figure out their quarterback situation, but they've got some good skill position players uh, between Robinson, Chenault, DJ Chark, even Keelan Cole. I think once they solve that quarterback piece, I think this offense has the potential to really take off down there in Jacksonville. And everything we've seen from James Robinson suggests he could be a big part of it going forward. But uh, I thought that'd just be kind of an interesting, fun thought experiment considering how well he's played. Um, I mean, look, I, I, Philip Lindsay has been great. James Robinson has been next level. Did you ever imagine that we'd be talking about him as a top three fantasy running back this year? No. And, and that's what he is right now. It, it, it is it's wild how productive he has been. And it's funny because when Leonard Fournette was there, I was avoiding Leonard Fournette. And I don't think Leonard Fournette would be putting up these kinds of numbers. Like, I don't think if you just switched him, Leonard Fournette would be having James Robinson production. I think James Robinson is a good running back at the NFL level. 
I, I really do too. And I'm very curious. And I've, I've watched them here and there, but I, I would be curious to sort of take a deeper dive uh, into his season once this is over. We have some more time to kind of to dig into the film a little bit because uh, it's been fun. It has been absolutely fun to watch. And this is part of the reason we watch football and why we play fantasy football as well. So, all right. That is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, don't try this at home. Go to somebody else's house. Be safe. Take care of yourselves. Wear a mask. And we will see you on Monday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart.